Well, friends, I want to invite you to open your Bible together with me to Acts chapter 4. Uh, we're continuing in our study in the book of Acts. Um, and this is the first week that we see the early followers of Jesus face um, opposition, confrontation. And it's uh, one of the first instances, instances that we see in the book of Acts where there's an actual recorded prayer that the disciples prayed. So um, on those instances as we're studying Acts that we see a recorded prayer, the theme of that time is going to be teach us to pray. Because this will be a model for how we as Christians can pray as well. A miracle happened. Peter and John, in the power of the name of Jesus, laid their hands on a man and he who was crippled for his whole life stood to his feet. They proclaimed the name of Jesus, that he was risen from the dead to crowds of thousands. Thousands were saved, but the, the religious leaders were not pleased. And for the first time in our study in the book of Acts, we see confrontation. We have very unique religious freedoms uh, in our culture. Religious freedoms that are not shared or rarely shared across the world. There's an organization based in the States called Open Doors, and they track data on discrimination, violent discrimination against Christians across the world. Every day, 250 million Christians live with the present threat of violence against their life just for what they believe. Each year, um, Open Doors released their watch list of top 50 worst offenders of discrimination against Christians. And the worst offenders are generally in Middle Eastern countries where there's a state-sponsored religion or in communist-governed countries. For the past 18 years, North Korea has tossed, topped the list. Uh, China has been number 23. In decades past, Violence against Christians in China was very public, but it's a lot more subtle now. A religion is regulated by the state in China, and Open Doors reports with firsthand accounts from inside China that um, if churches want to be authorized to practice their faith, they need to register with the government. But if they register with the government, they need to consent to some like big brother type stuff. They need to consent to having government surveillance cameras installed in their building. If they don't, their building, if they have one, can be demolished. If they do, but the government sees that the pastor is speaking critically against the government, the pastor will be arrested. Some of us have family back in China. We're not in first century Israel. Right now, we don't live here in modern China, but we first face confrontation ourselves of a type two. If we're going to be true to our identity as followers of Jesus, as people who are called out from the world and sent into the world as his ambassadors, your faith will be confronted. When it is, how can you respond? Today we see in Acts chapter 4 a model, a model of how the disciples themselves responded and how we can respond when we are confronted. 
when they were confronted with opposition, the early disciples spoke boldly, stood firmly, and prayed instinctively. And you can too. So as we do, would you stand with me so that we can honor God as we read his word together? I'm going to read a portion of the passage, Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 7. This is God's word. It speaks to us today, and this is what it says. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Let's turn our attention to God and pray. Father in heaven, Thank you that you are present and near. You are not absent and far, but Lord, would you pay attention to our hearts today and would your word speak directly to our lives in the culture that we live in? I thank you, Father, for the calling that we've received by faith in Jesus to, to be received out of the world and called your children, adopted into your family, but then also sent back into the world as your ambassadors and representatives. Would you make us people who are true to our identity as called and sent people? Lord, some of us may um, be facing opposition now. Others of us may be silent. But Father, would you train us to be a people who stand firmly, speak boldly and pray instinctively so that we would be true to our identity. In Jesus' name, amen. Your faith will be confronted, but like the apostles, you can speak boldly, stand firmly, and pray instinctively. When Peter and John were arrested after they performed this miracle and taught about Jesus, the people who arrested them, the Sadducees, were greatly annoyed. You see that in verse 2. Why were they annoyed? The church at this time was still a grassroots movement, and the Sadducees were a religious sect that represented the political and religious establishment of the day. Israel at that time, the nation they were living in, was an occupied country under the tyranny of the Roman Empire and the Caesars. And the people of Israel knew that this wasn't their true calling. They knew that God had chosen them to be free and independent and actually an influence and a light to the rest of the nations. So they were looking for a liberator, someone who could free them from Roman oppression. And their, old, the, 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 their scriptures um, taught them that this liberator who would come would be one who could not be held down by the power of death. Peter and John come around proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
So when the Sadducees hear this, the political and religious elite, the establishment, hears grassroots leaders saying that the liberator is here, they're, they feel threatened. Because they're the elites and the establishment because Rome authorizes their power. If Rome is gone, their power is gone. So they want these people gone. This is the type of people that arrested Peter and John. People who would prefer their fellow countrymen to be oppressed by a foreign state so that they could have their own power rather than having their brothers and sisters live in freedom. Oh yeah, and they were the same people who only a couple weeks ago um, murdered Jesus. And now they have two followers of Jesus with them. If you were in that circumstance, how would you respond? We live in an inclusive society today. In Canada, we live in a secular society. An inclusive secular society with progressive values. In a culture like ours, we have immense freedoms to practice our faith. Talking about faith and religion in the public is kind of just a taboo topic. It's kind of, bringing faith into the public is kind of treated like bringing a common cold into the public. Or like my, what my daughter has right now, pink eye. Okay, you have it. I don't want it. So do all of us a favor and keep it in your own home. Kind of just taboo. And that looks differently in different scenarios. It looks differently in the, in the workplace from other scenarios. Christians need to be wise about how they represent Christ in their workplace. But you do represent Christ in your workplace. But most employers would rather just have their team and avoid talking about faith altogether. Because if we talk about our faith and we have different faiths and one person believes one thing and one person believes another thing, one person could say that their faith is better than the other faith. And that's like bordering on discrimination. And you don't want to be labeled a hateful person, do you? In social settings, like when you're at the gym or out watching the dunk contest with your friends or at the library with your kids, people just want to let loose and have fun. And it's, it's awkward to talk about religion do you really want to be labeled as the uptight religious person? Can't you just have fun? In schools and universities, Christianity is just taught, treated like a, a fairy tale for little kids. So put that aside and just let the big kids talk, okay? It's, it's kind of dumb to believe that. And you don't want to be labeled as a joke, do you? In some families, some traditional families, um, being a part of, of the family means being a part of the, the family religion. And if you leave the religion, you're saying you're leaving the family, and that's, that's disloyal. You don't want to be the shameful son. You don't want to be the shameful daughter, do you? Followers of Jesus in any place, in all generations, are called to be bold witnesses. 
you, Christian, are called to be a bold witness. Even in our culture, our faith will be confronted. And when that happens, you have a choice. I have a choice. Will we shrink back in fear or will we step out in faith? Peter. Peter was willing and able to speak boldly. And so can you. When our faith is confronted, we can speak boldly. Let's read the text and see how Peter responded. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what man's this means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. When Peter's faith was confronted, he spoke boldly, and you can too. A man who only a few weeks ago ran away as a coward at a little girl who asked him, aren't you a follower of Jesus? Now standing up before the religious elites and telling them you failed at your job and you missed the true liberator. Peter could speak boldly for three reasons. Three reasons that we can speak boldly today because we have the same things that Peter had. We can speak boldly when we are filled with the spirit of Christ, when we believe the salvation of Christ, and when we stand on the authority of Christ. Peter, verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness is not natural to us. Usually, we are either overly self-conscious or overly self-righteous. And we miss true boldness. The overly self-conscious person chooses silence because they're too fearful of how other people will criticize them for what they say. Overly self-righteous people are generally judgmental because they think they're the standard for how other people must live. But spirit-filled people are not silent in their self-consciousness because the Spirit of God makes them Christ-conscious. Spirit-filled people are not rude and judgmental in their self-righteousness because they know the only reason they're accepted by God is because of Christ's righteousness. And this isn't an, boldness isn't an introvert-extrovert thing. You don't need a platform to be bold. You can be bold on the go train to work, in the cafeteria with your friends. True boldness is come from, comes from the spirit, and the mark of true boldness is the ability to speak courageously, clearly, 
gently and respectfully. Kind of feels like evangelism needs a new tone now, doesn't it? Boldness isn't natural, but when you're filled with the Spirit of Christ, you can be bold. Peter was filled with the Spirit of Christ, and he believed the salvation of Christ. He said, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is a rescue project. And every human being needs rescue. Because even though we seem to have everything in our culture, we have all the wealth we need to live a comfortable life. We have all the technology we live to live a better life. We still know in the depths of our inner self, in the darkness of the quiet of my mind, that we're not at home. That we haven't found rest that we're missing out on true joy, that we're lost in a wilderness. A wilderness of death. That's no better way to describe the state of human nature. Human nature. And we have all wandered into the wilderness of death because we have followed the path of sin away from our creator to follow our own will because we don't want to follow his will. We'd prefer my way. And we can't find our way, own way out of this wilderness. The good news is that rescue is available because the creator himself left his paradise in heaven and came into the wilderness that we lived in, Jesus Christ. He was tempted as every way in which you are, yet he didn't sin. All of our sin and all of our suffering was placed on him when he died on that cross. He passed through the wilderness of death and came through to the oasis of life when he rose from the dead. He alone can rescue you. There's salvation in no one else. And if you recognize that you are lost and wandering in you can find rescue when you put your faith in Jesus. He suffered for your sins so that you could have life in him. Peter knew that the dominant power of Rome couldn't rescue them. He knew that the religious rituals of the Sadducees couldn't rescue them. He spoke boldly because he knew Jesus is the only way. It was then, it is now. And when you have a firm grasp on the necessity of Christ, you won't be able to help but look around at the others around you and say that they need what God has given me. Peter was bold because he was filled with the spirit of Christ. He believed the salvation of Christ and because he carried and stood on the authority of Christ. Some trad Christian traditions put Peter on this like upper echelon that we could never get to. Like he reached some next level of sainthood that is just, there's this glass ceiling that could never hit. Peter, as they noticed, was an uneducated common man. The only thing special about him, as they noticed, was that he had been with Jesus. And Jesus gave Peter the same authority that he's given all Christians. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, just before he ascended into heaven, he gave the mission to his people 
saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You go, therefore, and make disciples. When you go out telling people about Jesus, you don't stand on your own authority. You stand on the supreme, divine authority of Jesus. That shouldn't make you brash like you have it all together, but that should make you bold that you stand on the truth. Peter was filled with the spirit of Christ. He carried the authority of Christ. He believed the salvation of Christ. Just like the apostles, Christian, you have the same. And if you're true to your identity, your faith will be confronted. But you can speak boldly and you can stand firmly. Let's look at the text again and we'll see how they did. Verse 15 to verse 22. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I love the response. So clever. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot, speak, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. How, how clever how wise. The religious people who are supposed to lead them in the ways of God tell them to be silent, and they say, you judge. I'm turning the tables. I'm not on trial. You're on trial now. Is it right, religious leaders, for us to obey God or to obey man? At the moment of confrontation, we have a choice. Will we shrink back in fear or will we step out in faith? Will we obey God or will we obey a man? See, behind the choice of your mind is a dilemma in your heart. Will my life be better and easier if I obey and follow the way of the world or if I obey and follow the way of God? Christian, you can choose to stand for Christ because he stood, chose to stand for you? Will, will my reputation be boosted by the world or by God? Will I be happier if I follow the world or God? Will I feel more secure in my heart if I follow the world or with God? Choose to stand with Christ because he chose to stand for you. Your reputation and your sense of self-worth is maxed in the reputation of Christ. On the test of life, we all, we all get a fat F. All of us. Jesus is the only one who ever lived a perfect A-plus life. And the good news of God is that when you put your faith in Jesus, his A-plus is credited on top and in place of your F, and there is nothing you can do to minimize or lower that score. It is secure in the books of God. Not because of what you've done, 
but because of what Christ has done. So if your friends who dress a certain way or your boss who demands a certain behavior or your family who is putting the pressure on you to do a certain thing, when that dilemma is in your heart and you think it will give you more self-worth or secure a better reputation, it can't because your reputation and your self-worth is maxed in Christ. Your happiness is full when it's full with the joy of Christ. What a good example we heard from our friend Erica this morning who was looking after her happiness every way in the world and found that it was nothing. Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, 10 and 11, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I speak to you, obeying God, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. I know you want to be happy, but you're digging a well that will only have clay dirt and never hit water. There is a spring of living life in Christ and joy and happiness that you cannot imagine. Stand with Christ because he stood with you. And even if the closest people reject you or shame you for following Jesus, even if you might feel like you'll be left insecure and unstable if you're rejected, your security is firm in Christ. Jesus promised us this in Matthew 5, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. By faith in Jesus, you are fully approved, accepted, loved, and secure. Choose to stand with Christ because he chose to stand for you. If we're going to be true to our identity in Christ, our faith will be confronted, but we can speak boldly and stand firmly. Are you? There are a couple of examples of historical people that I'm really encouraged and inspired by for their boldness and their firmness. When I think about what it means to be bold and firm, I think about the courage of men like the Christian preacher, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., I was recently rereading his speech, the I Have a Dream speech that he spoke in August 28, 1963, calling for racial equality in America. And most of us know that famous line, I have a dream where white people and black people can sit on the plains of Alabama. But there's another line that stuck out to me about his boldness. He said this, this is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquil tranquilizing drug of gradualism now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit paths of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from from, to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of this moment. Bold, firm. Martin Luther King is named after a German 
monk who lived in the 1500s, Martin Luther. Martin Luther was just a grassroots priest, but he looked upon the greed of the religious leaders and the corruption of the religious leaders and the abuse of the religious leaders. And even though he was one single guy standing up to the Pope, he would not move. And he taught in the centrality of the authority of God's word and justification by faith. And like Peter and John, he was called to a trial. And they were trying to force him to change his mind. But he said this in 1521. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the Holy Scriptures or by evident reason, for I can believe... uh, for I can believe neither Pope nor council alone, as it is clear that they have erred repeatedly and contradicted themselves. I consider myself convicted by the testimony of Holy Scripture, which is my basis. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Thus, I cannot and will not recant, because acting against one's conscience is neither safe nor sound. God help me. Amen. Okay, but you might be thinking just like, I haven't stood before hundreds of thousands of people like Martin Luther King. I don't have pictures painted about me from Renaissance artists. How could I stand firmly, speak boldly? They perceived that they were uneducated, common men. And they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. You don't need a degree. You don't need unique special training. You don't need to have some form of influence or platform. You just need to a person be a person who is with Jesus because with Christ, his light will shine off you and reflect into the world. Our faith will be confronted. Like Peter, like John, like Martin Luther King and Martin Luther, we can we can speak boldly. We can stand firmly. And like the apostles, we can pray instinctively. That was their response. After they were threatened to be silent on pain, they went back with their friends and the first thing they did was pray because they knew that they would be confronted again, but they knew they had a job to do, and they knew they needed more of God's spirits to stand firm and speak boldly. So they prayed instinctively. Look at verse 23. When they were released, they said, went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against the rulers. uh, the, The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak with your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name, the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and continued to speak with boldness. They knew it was their job to be bold, but they knew they couldn't do it by themselves. They knew confrontation would come again. So they prayed instinctively. Prayer poured through the pores of their spiritual life. Prayer was the oxygen that they breathed. It was so natural to them. It was the blood in their veins. And we can pray like they prayed. When they prayed, they prayed with earnestness. Most people get upset when confrontation happens. At least I know I can. I know it can be fearful. And we look different directions if we are confronted. We don't look up in prayer. We look down in despair. We don't look up in prayer. We look inwardly in resentment. We don't look up in prayer. We look out in worry. The first thing they did was instinctively lift up their voices. To lift up your voice is to raise your voice. A sense of earnestness. Praying with faith. Believing that I'm praying not into the empty sky, but to a listening ear who has the power to act for his namesake. Pray with earnestness. Pray with confidence. Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Yeah, they were being plotted against by the rulers of their time. But there was a ruler greater than them who didn't govern one small nation but created every nation in the heavens and the earth. And they knew that their God was in control even when things seemed out of control. And if you're confronted, pray with confidence. You pray to the God who is the sovereign Lord in control of all things. Pray with earnestness. Pray with confidence. When you're being left out by your friends, when you have the pressure put on you by your boss, when you're being shamed, when you're being shamed by your family, have confidence and have assurance. When they thought about their circumstances, they remembered a scripture. What they prayed here was Psalm chapter 2. They remembered how King David, the famous king of Israel, he was opposed by other rulers, and they stood against, stood against him. And then they thought about Jesus and said how the same ruler stood against Jesus. They knew. They knew they weren't alone. You might feel alone when you're confronted by others. That's a hard place to be. But you can pray with assurance because you're not alone. This experience might be unique to you, but it's not unique to the Christian, to the Christian experience. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 9. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You are not alone. Pray with assurance that God is with you. Pray with confidence that God is in control. Pray with earnestness that God is listening and pray with expectancy that he will answer. 
And now, Lord, they said in verse 29, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they prayed that, God immediately answered that prayer. They prayed with expectancy, not if you might stretch out your hand to heal, while they believed God would be true to his promises. And they knew that if they were going to be able to speak boldly and stand firmly, they needed God's spirit. How can we be filled with the spirit? How can you speak boldly and stand firmly in the spirit? Ask. Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I dare you to pray this prayer. I dare you to pray this prayer with sincerity. I can point, to, by God's grace, to several instances recently where an opportunity came up and I prayed that the Lord would give, fill me with the spirit to share the gospel and by God's grace, the opportunity came. I can look to points when I saw an opportunity but I was more concerned about my own thing at the time and I passed over the opportunity in fear. God keeps his promises always. And he has promised that when you ask to be filled with the Spirit, not because I want to have some emotional experience, which is why a lot of people ask to be filled with the Spirit, not because I want to have some distinguished gift that sets me apart from others, which is why a lot of people pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God fills you with your Spirit, His Spirit, so that you can be a bold witness. He answers that prayer every time. So pray it sincerely. Pray it with expectancy. Pray with assurance because you're not alone. Pray with confidence because God is in control. Pray with earnestness because God hears. Our faith will be confronted. Are you ready for it? When it is, like Peter and John, we can speak boldly, stand firmly, and pray instinctively. And I want to invite us to have a time where we together now pray in the same way that the apostles did. Sam and the team are going to come out and usually we just sing a simple song in response to the word of God. But today we're going to sing and I'm going to lead us in a time of guided prayer. And we're going to pray the exact same prayer in our own words that the apostles prayed. Verse 29, now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. If we're going to be true to our identity in Christ, we are called out from this world, but we're sent back out into it. And God sees, God sees us when we're confronted, but he's also able to strengthen. Jesus called us to love our enemies not that we ourselves should be treating other people like enemies, but other people might set themselves up as enemies against us. So first, I'm going to invite Sam to lead us in the verse and a chorus of a song. 
and where you are seated, I'd invite you to sing along with us, and then I'll lead us in a time of guided prayer. So Sam, let's lead us in singing now. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I want to invite us to, in a time of guided prayer right now, to pray with the same heart that these apostles prayed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or you're just not a place in your walk with Christ that you're taking this seriously, I would encourage you just not to pray this. I would hate for you to think that by doing it somehow, you get some check mark with God and now you're okay. But for those of us who know our true identity in Christ, I want to invite you first in the quiet of your own heart to pray like this. God, thank you that you're in control even when. The apostle said, look upon their threats. God sees what you're going through. God sees how it's hard to stand firm with your family and your boss. God sees how it's fearful to speak boldly with your friends. But God's still in control. So in the quiet of your heart, let's praise God in prayer like this right now. Thank you, God, that you're in control even when. Let's pray like this right now. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So I want to invite you now to pray like this. Fill me with your spirit to speak boldly to family day tomorrow. You might see your neighbors back at work on Tuesday. Who can you speak boldly to? Who have you had opportunity to speak boldly to before, but you've been fearful? And God, fill me with your spirit to stand firmly when? When is the time where it's easier just to creep back? It's easier just to say nothing. Pray this sincerely. Pray this expectantly. And next week, you're going to have a story to share with me. So let's pray this way right now. Look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Let's conclude our time of prayer through song now. Would you stand with me as we finish singing this song together?